You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks, going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast as we get you ready for the Seahawks playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys coming up this weekend. Hello, everyone. Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And, John, I'm glad that we have a podcast to do this week. That's right. And not a, some sort of sad season recap, but we are talking playoffs. And you know what? I, I do. We've talked about how far this team has come and how perhaps it has gone against the national narrative of what they thought that the Seahawks would be like. But I think one of the things that I have grown to appreciate, it's not just the playoff appearances, it's the consistency and and the stability that we have here with the organization and the franchise. Because while we are talking about playoffs this week, there are a lot of teams around the league that are talking about changes and there's some volatility in other organizations that the Seahawks are not experiencing. Yeah, Pete Carroll just signed a contract extension. He's in his ninth season and now we know he's going to be here a few more years after that. So that stability is huge when you have the right GM and coach combination. Having the right quarterback sure helps. We've seen that throughout the NFL and you know, there's a reason that this team has been to the playoffs now seven times in nine years, which is second most only to the Patriots, who go every year. Uh, but yeah, and get the first round by seemingly yeah. every year. Yeah, well, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, <laughs> it, it's really impressive what they've been able to do. I mean, their their one little off year hiccup last year was still a nine seven season that was maybe a few field goals away from being a ten or eleven one season. So it's it's really impressive what they've built here. It certainly is. And I tell you what, today on the podcast, here's what I'd like to do. Of course, we're going to talk about the matchup against the Cowboys, which is actually a rematch from earlier in the year. And Pete Carroll had some interesting thoughts about that. We'll take a look at the playoff picture in general, teams that are playing this weekend. Just get some quick thoughts about what that means for the Seahawks. But first, let's talk about what we learned from the team against the Cardinals as they closed out week 17 of the regular season because I think that you could look at that game in a couple of different ways in one way you actually get some confidence with one perspective and the other side you think oh gosh are they going to be able to hang on through some playoff games right yeah I mean there's a couple things that was not their best game by any means but there, you know, some of the caveats starting off this offensive line that has been such a strength all year was shuffled. There's people missing. They made some changes, moved to Fetty to guard. It's not going to look like this week, look like that this week. That'll be a big difference. And look, sometimes certain teams or certain parts of certain teams are tough matchups, no matter what their record is, what it is on paper. And the Cardinals pass rush is a tough matchup for the Seahawks. That's, I mean, they've been tough on everybody. They came into that game with 53 sacks, which I think was second in the NFL. So for, for all that's gone wrong for Arizona this year, they can get after the quarterback. You get in that situation of having a shuffled line and a lot of disguised different blitzes, it's tough, and it, it didn't look good for the Seahawks. Well, and when you listen to the way Pete Carroll evaluated that after the game, you know, it came down to it's not necessarily a physical thing that went wrong it was a lot of communication that went that went wrong up front which to me says look you have guys out of position and just kind of patchworking and filling it in that's okay that's to be expected it's not that they can't make the play 
But again, against that front, communication is a different thing than physically not being able to do your job. Exactly. We also saw Jermaine Effetti move back inside, and I think maybe it makes us appreciate him a little bit more in the role that he has played at tackle this year. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it wasn't that he did a bad job at guard, but we saw the difference of that line when you don't have that really solid right side of him and DJ Fluker together, which also allows George Fant to come in and be that extra tight end. So it's kind of this trickle down of you lose one guy and you weaken three spots, essentially. So he's done, you know... Maybe we haven't talked a lot about him this year at right tackle, which in a lot of ways is a good thing. It's a very good thing. He's done his job. He's not getting beat. He's not getting a bunch of penalties like last year. He's He's been really solid this year. And, you know, they, they missed having that usual right side combo of him and DJ Fluker and should be a lot better when they're together. Well, and DJ Fluker is expected to return this week. And when I talked to him, he said, man, I just can't wait to get back out there. And he has been in uniform the last couple of weeks. He did not play at all against Arizona, although I swear the way that he was riding that bike and and staying warm and being part of the huddle, I I half expected him just on his own volition to run across the field and and just get on, get on the field to play. So he's excited chomping at the bit. You know, I, People kept asking, and, and Pete kept saying, look, we're not resting, guys. And they didn't, and part of that was you needed to make sure that you get the win. But in some ways, you did take advantage of the opportunities in that game to rest DJ Fluker and to get George Fant some snaps at tackle and to make sure that Effetti could play guard if you needed to. I mean, you didn't have to play it that way. They did, and I think it benefits you in the long run. Oh, for sure. And, you know, that... That's the thing of we talked about this last week of there's a difference between, you know, we're not going to play Russell Wilson because we are afraid of somebody getting hurt versus this guy's beat up. And yes, could he possibly be out there? Yeah, but let's give him a break. Make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. We didn't get into a lot of detail with it on Pete Carroll with Deion Jordan, but that's probably what the case. I mean, he's bowed that knee all year. He didn't play. Now he's good to go. You know. Maybe Shaquille Griffin could have gone back in the game. He said he wanted to. So there's a difference between resting starters versus playing it a little more cautious with injuries than you would otherwise. Yeah, I got the feeling from Shaq and watching him on the sideline. Again, he was one who grabbed his helmet as if he was going back in Yeah, he looked like you. I thought he was going back in based off what we saw. Then they kind of just told him to cool his jets a little bit. And so uh, stayed active in other ways during the game, just not on the field. I do think that there are a couple of big things to come out of that game. And look, the one thing about the offensive line, when you do have those miscommunication and you get pressure from the opponent, Russell was sacked a season high six times. and All on third down. All on third downs, which you have to be fortunate that he did not get hurt and he was able to escape most of that trouble. Um, does that change things, knowing that he got sacked that many times and they were all on third down? For you, just as you evaluate and take a look at that? In terms of what? Sorry. I'm... Well, if you're looking at the offensive line and you're saying that there were some good things that happened because you, you got a chance to mix some guys in and rest some guys and things like that, does it change the way that you see that when you look at third down numbers and what happened to the quarterback? When you look at the whole picture? Not the whole picture because that's not what the line's going to be this week. It would... Look, that would I would be really concerned if DJ Fluker wasn't coming back and we still don't know about J.R. Sweezy. He's probably going to be a game day decision. If that was going to be the line again, I would expect that they would be better because they've had that week together, but I would still be a little more worried. But it's not going to look like that. I think it, an underrated part of all this is getting George Fant back into that role that has worked really well for them. 
That helps them in the running game. It gives them an extra blocker to protect when they need to. That's a big deal, too. So, yeah, it's I, I kind of want to take the glass-half-full approach of you got that experience, and if you need to go back to that, it, they'll function better. But overall, I'm not super concerned about it because, as I said earlier, the Cardinals tend to always be a tough matchup for that offensive line, and you're going to get healthier. And despite how close the final score was, the Seahawks defense did a good job in limiting the Cardinals when you just look at total yards and numbers across the board. Yeah, four for 17 on third down. They held them under 200 yards. And really, they had one 38-yard field goal drive. That was their longest drive of the entire game. All their other scores came off. One on special teams on the blocked field goal they scored on. They set up another score with that deflected field goal that gave them a short field. They got the interception. They three of their their three offensive scores all started inside the thirty yard line. Yeah, so I, the the defense did a great job. And they, look, they should do well against that team. That offense has struggled all year long, and they they took care of business. Well, and so this is kind of the next part of the evaluation process, I think, from that game. And defense and special teams go hand in hand. One, I do like the glass half empty or glass half full. Excuse me, <laughs> being a pessimist always, today. I am always the optimist how dare I say that um, and looking at the positive and the silver lining here's my silver lining Tedrick Thompson returns but the bad news is Delano Hill is out and that was a bit of a surprise when you consider that he played all 66 snaps in the game I never saw an indication on the no, sideline that he had in the been injured. after the game he seemed fine it's it, it just reiterates how tough these guys are I mean Michael Kendricks finished a game with a broken leg, and now you have Delano Hill finishing a game with a fractured hip. So it's it's pretty remarkable what these guys can play through. But, yeah, it's that's a tough blow in terms of both your depth and the secondary. You're right. It's great that you get Ted, Tedrick Thompson back, so you, you're back to your starting lineups at safety, but they've been doing a lot of dime packages and big nickel stuff where you're not going to have him. And it hurts you on special teams. He's a core big contributor on special teams. And this is why they go hand in hand, because when you start talking about those bandit or those dime packages, you know, you're going to have to use guys like Nico Thorpe, who is your special teams captain, who can be a game changer on special teams with more reps on defense. And I'm curious, you know, we didn't talk about it a lot a couple of weeks ago, but when there were special teams breakdowns in San Francisco, I think it was, Maurice Alexander was not playing that game because he had a concussion. And you don't talk a lot about Mo on defense, and you rarely talk about him on special teams because he's pretty solid out there. I am wondering how much of what we've seen in the last few weeks, because that hustle board for the special teams, for those of you listening, when you walk into the Seahawks locker room, they've got a chart and there's 12 categories that special teams are trying to earn essentially stickers or gold stars in every week. This week they managed just three. It's been a few weeks now that it's been a little tough. And so that's what I'm wondering. You know, you look and you say, well, you know, but, but the normal special teams guys are out there except count up their snaps on defense. And look, you just don't have the same legs. Yeah. And that's Pete Carroll talked about that a little bit this week of when depth starts to, you have injuries on offense or defense. And the easy thing to look at is like how many starters are out, but there is that trickle down effect of, okay, maybe a guy who was playing 10 snaps on defense and a core special teams guy is playing 50 snaps on defense. Either he's playing less on special teams to make up for that, or he's just a little more tired when he's out there on special teams. So, you know, I think they're going to clean a lot of it up. They certainly need to. You can't have that many mistakes against a playoff caliber team and expect to win. But, yeah, it's it's been a tough few weeks, and it's they've been a really good special teams team 
for a long time under Pete Carroll, and I really expect they'll get back to it, but it's been too many mistakes really three weeks running. Well, and when you talk to those guys, Nico Thorpe and Mo Alexander actually called a meeting of the special teams unit on Monday prior to the team coming in to do their team meeting. And when I talked to both Mo and Nico about it this week, they said, look, we just needed to make sure that people understood that, A, this is important, and B, these mistakes can't happen. But but it's not it's not these huge gaps, right? It's not that you can't do it. A lot of special teams comes down to the discipline to make the exact play that you are supposed to be making. You have so much field in front of you. If you get out of your lane, if you miss a tackle, if you slip and fall, the mistake is magnified because there isn't anybody else within 20 yards of you. And that's what those guys have said time and time again. It's like, look, just run the play that you're supposed to be running. Don't try to do too much. It's a discipline thing more than an effort or an understanding thing, I guess is what I'm trying to get around to and say. And hopefully they get that back this week because, again, you if you got to be cleaner in a playoff game. Yes, absolutely. You absolutely do, especially a team that you have seen before and that I feel there's a little bit of familiarity there. And maybe it's having Chris Richard on the other side. Maybe it's having played the Cowboys what feels like every year for the last few years. Um, and certainly it's having faced them earlier in the year. How much will you go back and look at that game kind of get a feel for what we might see on Saturday. You know, a little bit, but both these teams have changed so much, both personnel-wise, but also just the way they're playing. You know, the, the Cowboys were 3-5 and five not long after they lost up here in Seattle. They won 7-8 of eight to close the year. Seahawks, as much as you know, we look at Chris Carson ran for 100 yards in that game, and that was sort of the beginning of establishing the run, they didn't run it very well that game. I think they averaged about 3 yards a carry, 2.9 a carry, but they showed the commitment, and it was really the following weeks where they figured it out and got on track. So they're running the ball a lot better. Russell Wilson's playing a lot better, more efficient quarterback. So I just think both these teams are so much better than that game. I mean, yeah, there's stuff to look at, but it's it's pretty different than what we saw in week three. I thought it was interesting the way that Pete Carroll characterized that game. That you know that that wasn't really the game that we found ourselves. That game was a slog you that, know like th- that, that was one the was like struggle one. you needed to get to it of okay it's hard to run the ball against this team but we're gonna try it anyway and run it 39 times it was really the next three four weeks where it was okay now they're starting to average five yards of carry they're getting those 170 180 yard rushing games well, and that was also the first game that DJ Fluker was on the offensive line during the regular season was against the Cowboys. So that communication thing that we talked about before, that was still in play in week three. It's gotten a lot better. And um, as we've already mentioned, Fluker expected to be back at right guard this week. The Seahawks' ability to run the ball has led them to average 30 points a game for the second half of the season. The Cowboys' defense has given up just 30 or more points in one game this season. Last that was week. Last week against the Giants, and I do think this is going to be interesting because you've got two teams that want to establish the run. Why wouldn't you when you've got a 1,000-yard rusher in Chris Carson and the leading rusher in the entire league in Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I mean, it it sounds so obvious and cliche, but I think whichever one of these teams can get their run game going and stick with it is going to have a big advantage. You know, that that and turnovers are kind of the, the obvious things to point to in any game, but especially the style these two teams like to play. Ezekiel Elliott had an interesting game last year, last time against Seahawks, where you look at the numbers, the yardage was great, but he also had a really costly fumble and a stepping out of bounds that cost him a big play on a catch. So I'm sure he's looking to kind of put his stamp on this game, and he's he's been one of the best in the league for a number of years now, over 2,000 all-purpose yards. He's 
It, again, it's really obvious to say, but you got to keep him in check. Well, it's interesting because he did not play last week. He already had locked up the rushing title, and Todd Gurley wasn't playing for the Rams. He was the only one who could have been close for that one. So we'll see what his legs are like this week. Zeke with 127 yards in that Week 3 game against the Seahawks. And since that Week 3 game, the Cowboys added a receiving threat that the Hawks did see earlier in London with the Raiders but now looks like a completely different player. And as a result, the Cowboys' offense looks completely different with Amari Cooper as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. When you make that trade, one of the concerns you always think with a receiver, it takes some time. You know, it's a new quarterback, a new system. How is he going to fit in? But, you know, talking to Jason Garrett on a conference call this week, they, they've been really surprised by how quickly he came in and learned the offense and found that chemistry with Dak. And he's been a big difference maker for that offense. So, yeah, that's a very obvious and big dynamic that just wasn't there when these teams played before. Well, and that's why when you take a look at the numbers and you know that the Seahawks defense allowed 137 passing yards in that earlier matchup, remember that is without Cooper. Since he has joined the team, he has racked up 725 yards, 53 receptions, six touchdowns, and that is all in nine games. Although I do feel confident in saying there's not a whole lot that the Seahawks team hasn't seen. And by virtue of playing in the NFC West, right? When you have Todd Gurley and Jared Goff and some of the other teams that you've had to play, you know what a good receiver looks like. You know how to cover downfield. You know what an explosive running back looks like. This is not going to be a new thing. Yeah, this defense has been very battle-tested, especially the second half of the season with that run of, you know, you saw Aaron Rodgers, you saw Cam Newton. We just saw the Kansas City Chiefs number one offense in the NFL come in here. So, I, I do think, you know, the, the defense overall, their numbers are not what they've been in years past. They're kind of middle of the road in a lot of stats. But when you look at the last month or so, how they shut down Minnesota, how they, you know, the numbers, the final numbers against Kansas City aren't that special looking. But you look at how they played in the first half, really the first three quarters against an offense that good. That was a really good defensive performance. And then this past week, we touched on it. They gave up some points because of short fields, but they shut down Arizona. So, I do think this defense, and now you got KJ right back in there, I think they're playing maybe their best football all year. Yeah, KJ himself said that he is playing his best football of the year, which is a good thing. Quickly, before we wrap up, because I promised we would get to it, playoff picture just in general. I kind of like having the Saturday game. I know that it makes for a short week, and it's it crunches me in other ways. But I do like being home to watch Sunday games, so I'm excited about that. But now that the playoff picture is set, because it was not set until Sunday night at the end of that game when the Colts won, how do you feel in general about the way things shaped up? In terms of just the, for the Seahawks or just overall? Just overall. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves yeah, as to what this say, could we, mean we, for the <laughs> Seahawks. Just overall, because you have some teams that rallied at the end of the year. I mean, the Colts, for example, right? And, and you've got other teams. You know, Chargers could have been. They were close to uh, they could have a been a number team with two a bye. Seed, right? and, yeah. yeah, and then it's just it's interesting to me the way that this year kind of shaped out across that landscape. Yeah, you know, you just mentioned it, but one of the more interesting elements to me is how many playoff teams were probably written off or looked dead in the water three, four, five weeks in the season. I mean, Seahawks were four and five. Cowboys were three and five. Eagles, even, you know, probably four weeks ago, looked like they were going to have a really hard time finding their way into the playoffs. I'd written them off. I mean, to yeah. be quite honest, yeah, they Super looked, Bowl they champs, done. I didn't their think quarter, they were yeah, going to make they it. They looked like they had the Super Bowl hangover going. Their quarterback was done. Texans started 0-3. The Colts didn't look any good to start the year. And all of a sudden, all these things, it just goes to show you and it's what Pete Carroll talks about all the time is it's finishing it. You know, we see teams all the time. And it happened this year again, 
Carolina was six and two, and then they lost, I think, seven in a row, six in a row. It, it's it's not a, I'm throwing out a common Pete Caroline here, but it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And a, we've seen a lot of teams this year overcome some bad starts and finish really strong. Yeah, and in fact, Pete came up and talked to me about that before the game on Sunday. He said, man, did you realize that we've won more games in November and December than any other team since 2012? I was like, yeah, Pete. He goes, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, that kind of seems silly, doesn't it? I don't know why. I'm like, Pete, really, you don't know why? He goes, well, I have some guesses. It's like, okay, well, why don't you just stick with your hunches and stick with the way that you approach that? So, uh, yeah, P- Pete is aware of that when it's definitely part of his approach. And I tell you what, that approach has led the Seahawks to win six straight wild card games. They will be going for a seventh straight wild card game Saturday in Dallas. Either way, John and I will be back with you next week. Hopefully, we're breaking down another playoff game. But we hope that you enjoy the weekend of Seahawks football. We will chat with you next week.